0: of the Lord you may be seated. We're thankful that you are here. And I appreciated all of the words. I I know I some of them were long and hard and maybe not said the way I would say things, but there was based they were based in truth and I, I think that's um, very important that we recognize that there is truth and Brother David Bernard, our general uh, superintendent for the United Pentecostal Church, preached Thursday night. He was reelected Wednesday for another two-year term, but preached about Uh, the importance of being zealous and how to be zealous and uh, how to uh, search, uh, seek truth, and then uh, stand for truth, and then to love truth, and then to proclaim truth. And Um, I know um, we have a lot of individuals sometimes will ask, well, why, um, you know, why are there so many different versions? And I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, it it is uh, the, the phrase that came to mind so many years ago that I learned was called Rightly Dividing the Word of God and Understanding that uh, all uh, of the Word of God is Good for doctrine, for correction, for all of that, and yet, unfortunately, uh, sometimes individuals take a portion of Scripture and they they uh, simply look at that portion of, of verses because uh, there are a couple places in Psalms where the Bible says there is no God it's written capital T H E. R-E there is no God you can read it look it up and um, it's in Psalms and and yet if you just took that and made a doctrine out of that you would say well the Bible says two times there is no God but guess what you have to read what comes before it you have to read what comes after it and what comes before that There is no God. It says, A fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. So if you just looked at a portion, and so that whole sense of dividing and rightly dividing, and I know Brother Easter talks about the importance of bringing a bible and i realize that electronically we have bibles and and um, yet uh, the point is valid, I would say, that most of us, if we look at our phone, unfortunately, we use our phone for a lot of other things. And, and I can use mine and sit up here and I'm trying to text somebody and all of a sudden somebody will send me a text and uh, somebody else will send me something else. And if I'm not careful, I'm just like a, a little chicken following corn and I'm going down the path. Then I can think, oh, well, you know what? Now's a good time to win that level on Candy Crush. Let me, let me try that. I, I think I, I just figured out how that I can beat that. And, uh, huh? and then what did the preacher say? I don't know. I couldn't hear it. So, you know, what we've done is uh, we, we uh, have some Bibles. In fact, uh, I checked with Brother... Uh, Rodney Inman's brother, uh, that, that works at publishing house, and uh, he said uh, to uh, get a new Bible with the Search for Truth charts and to get them with Exploring God's Word is. $45 now in Bible. So, hallelujah. But we're, we're gonna give them out. We're gonna give out where people can look through and study. And uh, we're glad that we can do what we can to put truth, to proclaim truth, to say the word of the Lord is full of truth. It's not my word. Doesn't matter. And I know people, you know, often feel a little bit you know, personal, well, my grandmother, my aunt, my uncle, are you saying they're wrong? It's not, you know, if, if I seek it, I think I can find it. If I'm willing to study and I don't know people are, whether they just accept it and heard and that's not my job to put somebody and tell somebody whether they're, uh, you know, what, what they're, where they are. The Bible uses uh, Acts, the 19th chapter, called them believers and they only knew about repentance. So I, I don't know. But what I do know is that this is, thy word is like a lamp. It is truth. I'm glad we can understand it, have it, know it, learn it. Teach it, preach it, proclaim it, stand for it. And at some point you will have to take a stand. And at some point you will have to uh, love it. Because I want to tell you, this hour is <clears throat> extremely, and I guess I, that's, I, I shouldn't talk about it, but it's extremely concerning if you don't love the truth because the Bible clearly says that God will send a strong delusion now if God sends a delusion and you because they love not the truth if God sends a delusion who do you pray to to say Lord open my eyes so when you have learned and studied, you seek it. I believe the Lord has it for us, and He will, He will, uh, He will help all of us in this hour. So I'm going to talk about some truth. I know we are growing, apostolic legacy. We have a great heritage. A lot of people that. Uh, came through and and uh, over a hundred years ago and embraced uh, this new uh, experience, this apostolic experience and I want to talk about the Holy Ghost baptism. We're fixing to baptize folks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that's a wonderful thing that I can do and I am excited about doing it and I will tell you that there. I cannot baptize them while they're out there. They're going to have to humble themselves and walk back here and get a robe on and they're going to have to climb some stairs or we'll put them in a chair or whatever and they're going to have to go down into the water and they're going to have to submit to my hands and they're going to have to let me actually push them, say them with some words over them Put them back in the name of the Lord Jesus and bring them up. Now, I'm sorry, but if you're not willing to do that, I can't baptize you. If you say, I'm not getting in that tank. (laughs) If you say, I'm not going down up those stairs and down those stairs, guess what? I'm not going to force you. I can't make you. If you say, you're not, you know, you take a stance like this, saying, I'm not going back. I'm not going forward. There ain't nothing you can do to get me under. I'm not going to fight you. Now, we probably got a few men around here that can grab you and try to force you under, but I, not me. Not going there. Not going to do it. Why? Because you got to be willing Well, guess what? The Holy Ghost baptism is just like that. If you don't want it, you don't submit to it, but it's not me that can give it to you. It's the Lord, and that's what it's all about, the Holy Ghost baptism. Now, we all know, and most of us here, we understand the Holy Ghost baptism. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, 120, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's in Acts, the second chapter. You can read it for yourself. Those of you that know it uh, can talk about when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all in one accord, in one place, and, and when suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. And we have traveled to Israel and been in rooms that are similar to the room that was in the upper room and prayed and worshiped and felt the power of the Holy Ghost just right there above where David's tomb is. It's amazing. But you can read it. And the Holy Ghost was poured out and they spoke with tongues. But that's not the only place. If you go forward and you go into Acts the 10th chapter. It's not my words. Again, this is true. Acts the 10th chapter. Simon Peter said on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2.38-39. Repent be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus uh, for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And verse 39, he says something just bizarre. He says, for the promise is unto you and to your children and all those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And he didn't believe it he had no idea that meant gentiles yeah. he simply thought he spoke something under the inspiration of the holy ghost he had no idea what he was saying cuz you have to go forward and look at Acts the ninth chapter and you see where where Simon has to be convinced to go to Cornelius's house it's amazing He, you know, and and when, and the Bible tells us, read it in the 10th chapter, they go to the first Gentiles and all of a sudden Simon has had three visions. He's had God wake him up. I mean, it's a huge ordeal. It's about, oh, 12 to 15 years after the day of Pentecost, the first 12 years, it was only Jews were getting the Holy Ghost getting baptized in Jesus' name. And here he is at Cornelius' house and he's just preaching away and he's talking and he's just saying, you know, the Lord anointed Jesus and all of a sudden one of them raises her hand and Jesus just baptizes them with the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak forth in a heavenly language. Peter didn't tell them what to do. He wasn't doing anything. He was, his mind, about that time, I don't know if Mrs. Cornelius or who else raised their hand, but the whole household began to break out talking in tongues. We call it now glossolalia because it's the Greek word, but they began to have the, and nobody told them what to do. Nobody said, all right, raise your hand. All right, repent of your sin. They, They didn't tell them anything. Jesus saw their their heart was willing and they moved into the presence of the Lord and they just raised their hands and the Lord began to baptize them with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. And the Jews that went with Peter, Simon Peter said, what's going on? What are, th- These people are getting the Holy Ghost like we got it. Remember? What's going on? What's happening? And and Simon says, well, I don't know. Look look at them. Man, they I can feel it. I feel the Holy Ghost. It's the real thing. He said, well, I might as well baptize you with water because Jesus has already baptized you with the Holy Ghost. And you read, then they submitted and went down into water and he baptized them. I don't know if it was in their bathtub or if they had a swimming pool, but that's in Acts 10th chapter. And then in the 19th chapter, there are a bunch of believers. You can start there and read it. And it's not just one witness, two witnesses, three witnesses where there were some people that came from, this, uh, from Ephesus who were baptized under repentance, under John's baptism. And, and the evangelist is talking to to them, and they were believers. They believed that someone was coming to baptize them with the Holy Ghost, and and they said, and they said to them, they said, "Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?" And their response was, "We didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost." And so Simon begins to tell. I mean, Paul begins to tell them about the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden, they get rebaptized, and he lays his hands on them, and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. It wasn't something that they had to, you know, a lot of times, yes, they laid hands on it, but this wasn't something that it was like, we're going to teach you what to do. And in fact, if you really get technical and you go to probably the read the mail, you know, you're not supposed to read somebody else's mail, but in this case, the epistles are good mail to read. But, but the mail to first Corinthians, because that's where a lot of people in Christianity get a little bit off track, is they, they, they they don't read the entire book of First Corinthians. They just take one verse or a part of a verse and, and they'll, you know, well, uh tongues shall sheast and they'll say something like, you know, knowledge shall vanish away. They don't read that part. They, they will take a phrase out of out of First Corinthians and not read the entire part of Corinthians. Paul talked to this Corinthian church, and it was Thank the Lord I don't pastor the first church of Corinth. Thank God. You talk about a church that was full of issues. I mean, unbelievable. They were competitive. They were abusive. They lacked unity. They, they, they were abusing the Lord's Supper. Communion. But you know what? Paul didn't say, well, you need to stop communion. You need to stop all that. No, he said, y'all got the whole purpose of this wrong. And he explained to them... When you do this, as often as you do it, you remember the Lord. This is not about a big feast. It's not about a big supper. It's not about something that you do that's gonna, you know, that you separate yourself. Well, I eat my, you know, pheasant under a glass and you've got porridge and nanny, nanny, boo, boo, look how good I am. But that's what the church was doing. Some were even saying, well, I'm of Apollos. Well, I'm of Simon Peter. Well, guess who baptized me? Well, guess who? In fact, some of them even said, I'm of Jesus Christ. You read it. It's a horrible church. And you read the entire book. But when he gets to chapter 12, 13, and 14, he begins teaching about the infilling of the holy ghost he begins teaching about speaking in other tongues and he begins telling them about things that they needed to do it talked about he said you know what i you, you shouldn't just talk in tongues and not have love not have things that are done decently in order you should not do this and 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 have no sense of of kindness and no sense of love and caring for anyone else and you you know, he, you read those verses, but you know what he never told them to do? He never said stop speaking in tongues. Nowhere in the 12th, 13th, 14, nowhere in any of the epistles. As a matter of fact, he says, you know what? You read it in the 14th chapter and the fifth verse. He says, you know what? You need to continue in this. You need to do it properly. And then you know what? He's had the audacity to say, I thank God. I speak in tongues more than all of you. Wow! You would think with a church that was abusing it because that's what they were doing. They were like, Look at me, I can be conducted. You don't speak, I used to be conduct more than you. You would think that Paul would have said, okay, enough's enough. Stop. Because they were doing with the infilling of the Holy Ghost just like they were doing with the Lord's Supper. They were using it as a weapon to say they were better than somebody else. You know, the fact that we, many of us. Grew up second, third, fourth, fifth generation, apostolic. We understand tongues. Doesn't make us better than anybody else. This is not something that you could have because you were born second generation third generation, fourth generation that's not what this is about my whole family was raised that's wonderful but when you receive the Holy Ghost it's first generation if you don't get it for yourself it doesn't matter whether your mom had it your grandma had it your great grandma or anyone else you have to have a personal experience with almighty God and that's basically what Paul is trying to explain to them in the book of Corinthians and when you look there you 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 know you you people have asked me and I don't know you know maybe they've never asked you this but people have asked me and and they say, well why would God choose tongues as the initial evidence of the baptism of the holy ghost and and I have I have, it's not on the list, but I have used the James verse where it says the tongue is the most unruly member and nobody can control it. And it's like a little rudder and turns the whole ship. And I, I do believe that. But you know what? Ultimately, number one for me is that's just the thing. God chose tongues and he can choose whatever he wants. He could have said, when you get the Holy Ghost, your hair is going to turn green. And as time goes on, I'd be thankful because at least it may not look so like it's thinning out so much. I'd get another dose of the Holy Ghost. So I'd get more green hair. But I I, I agree, it's probably because, you know, you could talk about language, you can talk about, and I have have explained to people that when a, a baby is born, guess what? A baby can speak Chinese, Russian. They have the capability of making all the sound, rolling their R's. Making they have language. And so, but what happens, the more they hear, if you're raised in a Russian family, they start hearing Russian, they start mimicking those sounds. And in fact, Little babies that are born that are born without hearing make sounds up until five six months and then they stop because they don't hear anybody else making sounds. In fact, you know, we just had special prayer for uh, Emily and Cole's baby because it it was having trouble with. They were afraid. Is is it? able to hear and hear and repeat the sounds. I want to tell you this is important birth, new birth. There's language and and yet uh, obviously they can't you know, I I report to Caitlin every time she comes home from school. Well, you know, Isla Joe said that she had a mean mean mother, or you know, <laughs> and that her papa was sweet sweet, and how much she loved me. And I tell her, you know, she's four months old at the end of this week, and so I I report all of our dialogues together telling her but you know we know that obviously there's not a whole lot of communication but oh even as an infant you know if I go where is it? who is it well you know oh, they' are they're. In fact in the mornings if you get her just right she's fed and watered and changed and bottled she'll just oh trying to say something. So here we are, the Holy Ghost. He uses tongues. But what's so important is that really that number one, in First in Corinthians 14th chapter in the second verse, it says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him. How be it in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. And I understand people say, well, you know, in the early church, uh, Acts, the second chapter, people heard him speaking in their own language, and that's the only reason for speaking in tongues. Paul was very clear that's not the only reason. There is the evidence of speaking in other tongues where you speak directly to God. You don't, when you don't know how to pray, in fact, the Bible says, when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Ghost, will intercede for us which bypasses your mind and your emotions. Have you ever tried to talk to someone and didn't feel like you quite had the right words to say? Well, I, I, I want you to know that, well, I don't know how to put this. Huh? Lord, Lord, I'm not sure how I should be praying right now. I don't know do I pray? Get them? Get me. Anybody ever? few of you? Well, the, the powerful part of this is the Holy Ghost is the way that we can pray and bypass all of the heart, the mind, the emotions, and allows my spirit to connect directly in contact with his spirit. Now, I know. I'll show you in the Bible where it says that. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 verse. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, I don't even know what I was praying. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. When you leave here today and you go, Lord, Lord, Bless our food to the nourishment of our body. You don't have to pray that in tongues. You can pray that with the understanding. If you're praying for someone, Lord, touch Sister Denise, touch this individual, heal, be with Sister Beverly. I can pray that with the understanding. But there every one of us should have times in our life when our spirit needs to communicate directly with the Spirit of Almighty God. That's why praying in tongues. He says, in fact, we don't do it, haven't heard it much, but I have been in services where I not only have heard tongues and interpretation, I believe in that, but I've also heard where people would start a song and they would start singing in tongues. Not even, you know, it's not like, amazing grace with, you know, a new, new tune, but just singing in tongues. Singing a whole new song of worship. Maybe y'all have never heard that, but that's, I've heard people go and break into that. Paul said, I will sing with the Spirit, sing with the understanding. He also wrote in Romans, the eighth chapter, where he writes, by grace are you saved. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we don't know how we should pray, no, not what we should pray for, as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of of God. You want to pray according to His will. You want to get in harmony. You say, well, Lord, I want to pray. I need, I need to go to college. I need to go to, I need this to happen. You know what? If you would just say, Lord, I want you to just let, I am going to pray in tongues for a few moments and let the Spirit flow and let it just wash through me. I want to get in your will. And, and because you see, speaking in tongues, edifies yourself it builds you up in fact that word edifies in 1 Corinthians 14 and 4 says he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself it's uh, which means builds up, it's like building a house, it's like growing, it's like strengthening it's like restoring it's like repairing now, I don't know if there are any homeowners in here, but once you get a brand new house, you never have to do anything to it. Huh? Never paint it, never repair it, never build it. Never work on it. Huh? I got the Holy Ghost back in 41, and I talked in tongues in and I haven't had to talk in tongues since. God bless you. Let me go by and see your house. It is like restoring and repairing your spirit and building your house. And you know, when sometimes when people and, and I understand, I, I get it. You know, unfortunately, we probably have been correctly, you know, uh, you know, s- challenged that you know we don't. Ha- we kind of get into a habit of talking in tongues and I, you know we used to listen because there were some people that said the same thing all the time when they talked in tongues just kind of it, you know it was a good touch of the holy ghost and they just you know and we we had a lady that would spell medicine m e d i c i n e <laughs> so, oh, she's spelling medicine she wasn't but just sounded like that. As kids, we'd listen to them. I listen. What are they saying? Wow! Y'all probably never heard anybody. You know, it almost sounds like they say the same thing. But that's that's different from when you're initially baptized when the Holy Ghost is just pouring through. And, and, and it wasn't just. And I have stayed in the New Testament because time. I don't want to keep y'all till twelve thirty at least. But I could go through Isaiah where he said with stammering lips and another tongue and Joel where he prophesied about the tongues and Ezekiel and, and in Jeremiah where a new heart and a new spirit and all those things. But let's just, let's just focus on the New Testament because the Old Testament also talked about speaking in other tongues, believe it or not, even before it was outpoured, before Jesus came. He was talking about, you know, there's going to come a time with stammering lips and another tongue. I'll speak to my people. I'm going to put a new law in their mouth and heart. Okay, but let's just say all of that's already happened. Notice what Jesus himself said. He said... I'm fixing to lead. Read it in the end of Luke 24 chapter. I send the promise of my Father upon you. Go, Terry, in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. They had no idea what was going to happen. They didn't know if he was going to drop swords in their hands. What power are you talking about? They went to the upper room and just started saying, and that's where we get to the book of Acts, where they were talking in time, came out dancing on the street. People were talking to them. Acts, the first chapter says, and being assembled together with them, commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. He was saying it's not just me that's promised this. I'm telling you, this promise came from God. Which you have heard of me. It's not my promise, but I'm gonna baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now I know that's a you know that's hard to believe and hard to understand that Jesus, in fact. What the Bible tells us in another verse, and I'm not going to get there and show you, but there were probably 500 that started in the upper room and it whittled down to 120, waited the 10 days, tarrying for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Are you up there? Go ahead to the next slide. Sorry. Not only did Jesus do this, but John the Baptist talked about it. Remember? John the Baptist, the baptizer. The one that baptized under repentance. A lot of people that, you know, say, well, we're, we believe in baptism. We are, and we're going to baptize some folks today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. John didn't baptize in Jesus' name. He baptized under repentance. He said, if you repent, confess your faults, say that you're so, you sorry. This is like you're going to bury your old man and come up in newness of life. That's how John baptized And John, read it in the first book of John, the 29th chapter through the 33rd verse. The next day, John sees Jesus coming to him. And what does John say? Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me. Wow. John was nine months older, six months older, but yet he said Jesus was before him because he knew he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Then notice what he says very carefully. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I come baptizing with, John, with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water the voice that told John the Baptist to start baptizing with water was the same voice that said, "John, after this, somebody is going to come and he's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. And upon whom I shall see, thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. He, the same is he which was baptized." with the holy ghost. I can't baptize you with the holy ghost. I'm sorry. I have been to a meeting years ago and and the man got up and said, "If you want the holy ghost, raise your hands. Everybody repeat after me." And I was like, "Uh-uh, that ain't the holy ghost." You can call it whatever you want, but that's not the Holy Ghost. And I've had people say, you know, say, Jesus, 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 real fast. till you can't talk about it anymore. G, 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 G. That's it. You got it. Woo. That's not the Holy Ghost. I don't baptize you. Nobody in this church can baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Only Jesus can baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That's why when we sing the song, we sing, Baptize me, Jesus, with the Holy Ghost. Huh? I can baptize you with water? We're going to baptize some folks with water. I can do that. You'll have to submit to me. You'll have to come. You'll have to get in the tank. You'll have to be willing. I'll put you under. We'll give you a Bible. We'll give you a certificate. But I can tell you, I can do that. Till I can't do it anymore, and then I'll get some of these other men to help me and they'll do it. Or women, whomever. I I can get you under the water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But only one can baptize you with the Holy Ghost. You have to submit to it. And John was this logical thinker. It's obvious that John had a little bit of sense. He was very logical because he sees Jesus coming, and he goes, "I baptize under repentance, and I don't know that I've ever, I don't know what you've done that you need to repent for. I don't think I should be baptizing you. I don't think that's important for me to baptize you, Jesus. What are you going to repent for? So you read it in Matthew, the third chapter, starting at the 11th verse. It's the dialogue. He said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And Jesus said, I want to be baptized. And John said, whoa, stop, 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 stop. This is nuts. It's crazy. I can't can't baptize you. John forbid him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you're wanting me to baptize you with water. And Jesus said, wait a minute, suffer, it means to allow it to be so. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Now that's a whole when you when you dissect that phrase, it's like, what do you mean to fulfill all righteousness? Are you unrighteous, Jesus? If he was unrighteous, he'd need to repent. It needed to be. So it didn't mean to fulfill Jesus' righteousness. Whose righteousness was it that needed to be fulfilled? My righteousness. Because you see, when we walk into the water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are following the example of Jesus who submitted himself to John. I know you can splash around in water, play in water. We can go out of here and get a drink of water. That's not the same as being baptized in water. People had gone to the Jordan River and played around, and they feel a little bit of, ooh, ooh, I felt God, oh, yeah, ooh, ooh. That's still not the same as getting baptized with the Holy Ghost. I've sat in church services, and I felt something go up and down my spine. Huh? It's not the same as being baptized where you just literally get lost in it. Say, Lord, you take over. I'm going to worship and praise. Huh? As a matter of fact, I have talked to people. And when they first got baptized in the Holy Ghost, they were so lost. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know what was going on. They had visions of dancing with the Lord or going to heaven. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My dad, when he got baptized with the Holy Ghost, he was so drunk, he had a nickel to ride the bus home, and they had to kind of drag him out into the car, and he's talking in tongues. He didn't know, bring him home. Am I telling the truth? How many years ago was that? Two? Six? whole bunch. Yeah. Forty? Oh, my Lord, you're 90. Let's say probably uh, 70 plus. And, and, and I've talked to people that had all kinds of experiences the night they get baptized in the Holy yeah. If you've heard some of those, would you raise your hand? Maybe you've even experienced one or two. That's a whole different... Now, I, we, we can come in, we can pray in the Holy Ghost. That's different. But it's different than when you were first, the night you were baptized. Huh? It's an amazing. Go ahead. Next slide. And and, and so. You read in the Old Testament in Isaiah, he said, For since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by the ear how that what the eye has seen, O God, how what you've prepared for those that wait for you. And he goes on through and he says, We were all unclean. We were all our righteousnesses as filthy rags, our iniquity. When you go down into the water of baptism, you're realizing I absolutely am not clean. I need I have repentance. Lord, I am sorry. That's why we baptize in water for the remission of sins. That phrase, remission, remitting of sins. I know, Matthew 28, 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Ghost. One name, and we can talk all about that and explain all of that in truth. But the truth is, there's no word there that says remission. But yet, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is remission. Remission of sins. And that's what's so exciting about these pe- folks that are going down, and those that have been baptized in water is that the old man is gone away. It's buried. And you rise in newness of life through the name of the name that is greater than any other name, not my name, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not getting wet in the shower, but just simply the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm identifying Lord you. You went into the water. You left your righteousness into the water. You said you were fulfilling all righteousness. It's my righteousness. And I went down in that name. And I came up with not my righteousness. But the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Go ahead. Next slide. There's none that calls on your name. You've hid your face from us. You've consumed us. Romans, Paul wrote, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. All the Jews, he said, I am writing that the Jews would be saved. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge they are ignorant of God's righteousness they try to establish their own righteousness you can try to live right you can be a good person you can say I'm a good guy I'm going bat- and you know I'm going to do more good than bad because I want to I went over here I want to be a good guy and I do a little bad but if I, I'll do you know I'll I'll go by and buy somebody a hamburger and that'll help my good. He said, I'm sorry, all of your good righteousness is not enough. He said, going about to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? When you are buried in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Christ is the, read it in Romans, end. When you go down in Jesus' name, I don't care if you've been a liar, a thief, a murderer, an adulterer. Christ is. Breaks every chain, breaks every proclamation. Oh, you may have to go to prison for murder. You may get in trouble with your wife for committing adultery. But it will not be because of the law that will you be held accountable to God. Because now, because of the righteousness of Christ, you can say in Jesus' name, I want you to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. And all of a sudden you're set free. Understand, I'm a little emotional today and I, I understand that some of you all are tired this morning because you stayed up late last night till the last second of a game. Not any of us, but just saying some of you are guilty. Guilty. And sometimes people misunderstand our emotional response to the Holy Ghost in filling as necessary for the Holy Ghost baptism. But there's no place in the Bible that says you've got to get all emotional to get the Holy Ghost. I've seen people get the Holy Ghost, and they weren't really that emotional. We had a lady, and I talked about her, and I tell her she's passed on now, but she sought the Holy Ghost, came, talked. God, wear out the saints of the Most High for years. At the altar every time. Grace. One Sunday morning, she came, prayed, oh God, give me the. Oh, oh, oh. Sat down. We were praying for some others. She was just sitting there on the front row, raised her hands, and boom, just started talking in tongues. And in those days, we know, we would put the mic. Hey, how do you feel? (laughs) You know what she said? Well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Her personality was quiet and reserved. And, And I get it. I understand. You know, we have some unemotional people. thing that I'm going to say, and I I can say this unequivocally, if you get emotional about the last second of a game, and talk to the TV, and talk to the coach, and scream and yell at somebody, and you're not that emotional, with If you get emotional when your husband or wife burns the toast, and yet you want to come to church and be quiet, I go, hmm. Because go ahead, next next slide. My Bible tells me that when one member suffers, all suffer. When one member is honored, all rejoice with it. If you read the lost chapter other Easter talked about it. The man that goes out and hunts for the 90, has 99 sheep, finds the one sheep. What does the Bible say he does? He comes and rejoices. The woman that lost the corn, when she comes in, she rejoices. The man that has a prodigal son, when he comes in, not only does he rejoice, he throws a party. In fact, you'll read one of the verses in that chapter that says, There is joy in the presence of angels over one sinner. That repents. That's why we get excited. Yes, we are emotional. Yes, you don't, you don't have to be all of that in a bag of chips, but you have to allow as much emotion as you have will show. You have to give it all to the Lord and say, Lord, take my heart, take my mind out of my belly. I want you to baptize me in the Holy Ghost. What do you say? I want that to flow through me. I want the, I want the heavens to rejoice. I want there to be a a move of the Spirit. Whenever you read that in Acts 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. It's not me. It's the Spirit. No one taught them. Jesus didn't say You're going to go there and you're going to speak different languages. Go tarry in Jerusalem until you talk different languages. Go tarry in Jerusalem. They were just... Praying and praising and magnifying God, and if that's that's how you get the Holy Ghost, you just say, Lord, I am hungry. I want you to baptize me, and I just want you to. And then you begin to worship. You begin to thank the Lord. You don't have to beg God. You don't have to say, Please, God, give it to me. Please, God, to me. like if a husband or wife or somebody was at Christmas time, they go, Here's your Christmas present. You go, Please give me my present. Here it is. Here's your present. Hey, please, could you give me? A, please, you don't have to please God you just have to worship thank you so much I love you Lord you've been so good to me I thank you for all that you've done I am oh and and as the spirit will then begin to flow Lord I'm submitting myself I've repented of my sins and I want you to understand when you they, for the bible says they heard them speak with tongues and magnify god go ahead next slide i think i only have a couple more paul told them in corinthians he said i brethren when i came to you with the excellency of speech or wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of god for i determined not to know anything among you save jesus christ and him crucified i was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling And my speech and my preaching was not with men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's why I can't baptize you with the Holy Ghost. God is the only one that can baptize you. Because then you were able to say, Lord, remember the night you filled me with the Holy Ghost. I remember that first time I was baptized. As you begin to raise your hands. You have to be hungry, yeah. You have to want it, absolutely. There are some people that, you know, well, Lord, if you want me to have it, I'll have it. Well, I'm sorry, you'll probably never get it. He died for you to have it. But you got to want it. you got to say, I see it. I want it. It's for me. Can't do anything necessarily to get it. I can't. I can't. I can't beg God. I can't plead with God. But Lord, oh, I want to receive that gift. And as you come and you begin to worship, I just thank you, Lord. I know you promised me. I know you have it for me. I just want to thank you and pray. Huh? I want it. I'll, I'll be there. It, you know, if they call a special prayer meeting, I'm there. If they say, come to the front, I'm there. I, why? Because I want the Holy Ghost. Baptize me, Jesus. Then you just begin to thank him. We're going to baptize five, I think. Brother Mike, Sister Shauna, Brother Bob, whoever, going to. Take them back, get them ready. But I'm going to hear to tell you something. What happened over 2,000 years ago is still happening today. People are still being baptized with the Holy Ghost. If you have experienced your personal baptism with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I just want you to stand just for a moment. Just stand. I'm I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot. I'm not trying to make you say you have something you don't have. But if you don't have it, Look around. There are a lot of people that have been baptized with the Holy Ghost. Would you all of you stand now? I'm going to tell you, the altar is open. We're going to just come and we're going to worship. I can't give it to you.